0: Hello wonderful people, this is Jason English with Things About Things, simplifying concepts without sacrificing depth. Thanks for joining in for concept three. Today's concept is water, and I'm here with Doc Henley. Doc is the founder of a humanitarian organization called Wine to Water, but really, to me, Doc Henley is primarily and simply my friend. Hey, Doc. What's happening? Man, thanks for doing this. No, man, I'm excited. Thanks for the opportunity. So we should let people know right off the bat that even though this conversation is about water and we'll talk plenty about humanitarian aid, you and I are constantly having conversations about a lot of other things, a lot of deep theological conversations, personal conversations, and this is, I really want this conversation to be, I'm hoping, if you're cool with this, just one of many that we'll have. Absolutely. Yeah, do this one about water. I'd love to just have you and I sit down and talk about deep biblical, philosophical things all the time. I want to also do some of those, but I thought it'd be weird to not do water as the first one. (laughs) Cool. And if anyone hears any banging in the background, we'll get to why that's happening. Uh, We're in the basement of a restaurant bar that's, that's in the process of some transition, and we'll get to that in a little while. So if you hear the banging, that's there on purpose, everything's fine, no problems. So let's let's start with this. I want it to be hopefully some storytelling. Let me start with this very short, simple, but probably pretty deep question. Why water? Why
1: water? That's a good question. Um, in a weird way, I think water kind of found me. Mm-hmm. I, when I learned about the world's water crisis, I was at a very pivotal point in my life. Uh, needing direction, uh, searching for for something a lot deeper and searching for direction. And I kind of grew up in the church environment, and all that I thought that world meant was that you just have to remember every morning to wake up and do your devotions and go to as many Bible studies as you could and go to church as much as you could. And if you did all that, then you were good to go. And I kind of, at this point in time in my life, were, was searching for something more, something more to to put, I guess what faith I had into action. And so water kind of found me in a really weird way. Mm -hmm. And I got really excited, not so much about that there was a world water crisis out there, but that it seemed to be a crisis that somebody like me would have the ability to have an impact on because it doesn't need, it's it's not difficult to change an entire village Mm -hmm. by figuring out a way to get a well in that village or figuring out a way to gather rainwater or they got water and they just need the water clean it's really not that difficult so i don't i didn't need to be a rocket scientist to begin to address this problem so i was excited to that a normal regular everyday person could have a massive impact on a community in the developing world as it relates to their water Um, but then obviously water became very symbolic for me in a lot of spiritual uh, mm-hmm. sides too. As I began, you know, the first 10 years of doing this work, I really believe that um, it was very symbolic for what God was trying to do in my life as well uh, to uh, really uh, filter out some of the, maybe the the bad water <laughs> that I had in me for, yeah. for quite a few years that needed to be clean. that some things needed to be worked out. So it was kind of cool how the physical was very mirroring of what was God was doing in my life spiritually, so.
0: Help, help out the listener when they hear you say the phrase water crisis. I think the average person who pays attention in any way might
1: know, yeah, people need clean water, but what do you mean, what is the water crisis? True, and that, to be honest, like I didn't even know what it was until a very strange night when it when I kinda happened upon the fact that there were people around the world that don't have access to what we have every single day coming out of a tap or a water fountain at work or school or going in the bathroom and taking a 10 minute shower or even in our toilets yeah. what we use the restroom in that's clean water that if yeah. you wanted to you could drink it you may yeah. not want to drink it right out of your toilet but most of the people around the world a huge percentage especially those that are in developing uh countries do not have access to what we don't even think about every day so a lot of, uh, of countries, let's take uh, for example in the continent of Africa, the average walk time uh, for women and children in Africa Uh, is somewhere around, the. it kind of fluctuates obviously, but it's somewhere around the three to four hour time frame for people, uh, young women and children, walking to get their water. So imagine not just walking to your bathroom, turn on the tap, but just access to water is a huge issue in a lot of these countries, and a lot of these really remote villages. They're literally spending hours every day walking. And so that's one issue. The second issue with what we consider to be a part of the world's water crisis is not just lack of access to water. But there's plenty of countries that we work in, like Southeast Asia, like in Cambodia, or in the Amazon jungle. That You can imagine the Amazon River. Is, there's yeah. tons of water, right. but it's filthy. Right. So actually what's killing a lot of these young kids around the world, actually the largest killer of children in the world is diarrheal disease, which is directly related to dirty water. And the reason for that is that that it's not because they're walking to get their water, it's because the water that they're actually accessing is absolutely filthy. So you can imagine driving along the side of the road, you see this muddy old brown, reddish clay, dirty creek lake. We would never think, man, I'm thirsty, let's go get a drink of water. But a lot of these countries, that's all they have access to. So they need something to drink, they go down to the river, they pull up something that looks more like chocolate milk, uh, and that's what they drink. So I
0: want you to share two things. I want you to first throw a statistic at me about water crisis but I th- at would you just follow up with because I know with me when I hear statistic I think oh whoa but it doesn't make me act right C- tell me a story like you've been to lots of countries and you've seen the good the bad the ugly you've seen these beautiful stories of of people getting access to water you've seen um, the devastation of when they don't so throw a stat at me and follow it up with just tell me you just pick whatever story you want and I know you're all about people. It's not
1: probably going to be a statistic story. Right. Tell me a story. Okay, so I'm going to do a statistic, and I'm going to try to counter it with another one, too, just yeah. so you can see the the impact that it, that it has the ability to have. But just to give you an idea, um, since we started doing this work, uh, the very when I first got into this work about 15 years ago, the number was that 1.1 billion people with a B on the planet did not have access to safe, adequate drinking water. Mm. Now, in that 15-year span, that has dropped to give or take around the seven, eight 800 million mark. So still very close to a billion people. But if you just imagine just the sheer number of that, because I know numbers kind of sometimes just get lost in yeah. translation, there's only six or seven billion people in the world. So right now, we're arguably nearly at one of those billion out of that six or seven billion do not have access to what we would consider safe, adequate drinking water. So it's a pretty staggering statistic. Uh, And like I said just a second ago, uh, it is by far the number one thing that claims the lives of young children around the world is diarrheal disease, which is what happens when you drink dirty water. Um, So that's that. But then if you take what we have the ability to do, uh, so flip of a statistic, if I go into a village and I can put in a well Uh, or a clean water source, so a well uh, that now has clean water, or I can go into every single home and figure out a way to get a water filter into every home. We can take that thing that's killing these women and children and and families around the world and affects everyone. uh, We can decrease it by 40% But we're also not just on water. There's something very important that I think we pretty much know well in the Western world, that education is very important. So we can clean their water, but we also, every time we go into a village, have to tag a water program with what's called a hygiene and sanitation education program. So not only now are you drinking this clean water, but we want to teach you very simple, basic methods of hygiene. Wash your hands, different ways of cleaning, uh, you know, um, uh, sanitation issues that we have bathrooms here they may not have bathrooms so right. w- how do you dispose of that what do you so yeah. we do that which is not very intensive a lot of times we can do that in a matter of days we double our impact to 80 percent reduction in diarrheal disease in these communities so and we track that we'll go into a village how many days are you sick how many days are you missing school yeah because of diarrheal stomach disease stomach stuff
0: yeah exactly there's some more people coming from the exactly it's all, all good
1: what's going on guys Uh, And So how many days are are you missing school? How many days are you missing work? How many days are you not able to be out in the field bringing in income, making ends meet? We can decrease that by 40% with clean water, by double it. 80% 80% by tagging that with a hygiene education program. So what we mm. do is very intensive. It's not very, very difficult. Right. It's a simple solution. It just takes effort. It just takes somebody to get out there and do it. And it doesn't have to be a rocket scientist. It doesn't have to be a brain surgeon. It could be literally a bartender. And you're the living proof of it. <laughs> yeah. <that. laughs> so, and I know you asked it twofold. You wanted a story. So I'm going to just tell you a quick story. Um, there is, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you two mirroring stories because they're very similar. Uh, there is a, a young lady in Cambodia that... I went and visited at three years and it was crazy. I didn't even plan it this way, but it was like three years to the day after we had given her a well. And I was going back, you know, through this village in Cambodia and and just to see the well, is it working? Is everything okay? And she was so excited. And so I had my translator there kind of explaining and uh, single mama, the, the the husband had left a long time ago. And so she, for, th- for years until we brought her that well, she would go to the local community leader and have to beg uh, for food, for rice, for different things to make ends meet and just try to feed her for family. I think she had three or four, four kids. I don't remember exactly, but she had a number of children and she would have to go beg uh, for food. After we gave her the well, she began to take some of that water and irrigated and was able to create a little garden uh, in her little area. And then by the time I come back three years later, she was growing enough food from her well. And so one, her kids were constantly sick before from the water they were drinking. So she was whatever money she had, a lot of times she had to try to get medication to make the diarrhea go away on her children. And so she was always constantly in a state of like below poverty in our level. So now she's not paying for meds anymore her children are healthy she has extra water so she begins to do excess and irrigate and create a, a garden in a village uh, in that village now women around the village are coming to her
0: because
1: mm-hmm. she has more than what she needs and they're begging and, and she's able to provide yeah, she's for other women yeah. in the village just because she got a well and that very almost same thing happened not just there in, in Cambodia but in in uh, East Africa and Ethiopia very similar story Uh, a young lady had gotten a well and she began to uh, save money she allowed all the people in the village to use the well if they would bring little small bits of money together and create like a little savings account because if the well ever broke broke, she wanted to be able to fix it and not rely on someone from America to come and fix it so So she created a little savings account and what she started doing out of that is giving little micro loans to women like hey I'd like to buy a sewing machine and start a little business so she out of that savings account that started from being able to maintain her well she was able to start giving little micro loans which would get paid back right and we're at like a 99.5 percent micro loan payback rate in her little account and she's already given out like 20 or 30 little loans in the community like it's totally transformed that community just because they got access to something again that we take for granted every single day of our life man well so it's it's really
0: about more than water Absolutely. Yeah. And I know that we've talked for hours and hours about how, how it's about more than water and even more than just physical health. And so I want to get into a little bit more of a conversation with where you're at and your heart about what, why is it more than water? What? Why is it not enough to you to just say, we're going to provide clean drinking water for those in need? Why do you want life to be more than just about water? Why do you want the wine-to-water organization to be more than just about water? And what does it even mean that
1: it's, quote, more than water? Sure. So you mean to answer that now? Sure. Why more than water? <laughs> oh, man, that's a, a very deep question that we could sit here and talk maybe for, for hours and hours on. But I'll, I'll say this, that I, I've always had more questions in my life than I've, I've had answers. I think you've heard me say that probably a couple of times. I, I, I question, not out of doubt, question but I, I question everything i always i think i have since i was younger and things just didn't sit well with me growing up in a very churched environment when my, my dad was a was a pastor growing up so i grew up in a lot of different uh, styles of churches different denominations and something didn't quite sit well with me I, and i have just constantly questioned why is it that we go to these churches and we sit in these groups but that's really where it stops. Well, you may go on a Wednesday night, you may go to a youth group, you may go on a Sunday morning, and we get together and we sing together and we pray together and we read together and we study together, but that's it. Sure, there may be a, a prison ministry and there may be this or that out of it, but it was, it was always a small portion of that group of people going to that place. And so I just questioned constantly. And I think that in that questioning, not in a negative doubting type way, I just, as I got older, began to really dig and search on my own, and I was able to, I had the opportunity in between jobs, and uh, when I uh, st- had dropped out of school, uh, decided to take a year and study scripture for an entire year, and I fell madly in love with with, with scriptures, and just digging and pouring, and and, and and that's something that has continued on to this day, that now, I guess that's almost 20 years ago since that year, and there's something that kept just jumping off the pages at me, whether it's, it doesn't matter. Old Testament, New Testament does not matter. There was constantly, whether you're looking back and reading the prophets talking about, why are you fasting? Why are you coming to me with these grain offerings, these, these, these burnt offerings, these things that stinks? Because yeah. why are you going to burn this offering or bring this incense or fast to me yet the orphans and the widows in your community are hurting and they're still poor or you're, you're literally murdering people or you're not taking care of the poor in your community or whatever, there was this constant, this contrast of why are you doing all these religious things if you are not following up with serving the least of these? And then Jesus came and just totally doubled, tripled, <laughs> quadrupled, infinitely down on that whole concept and said not only, um, Am I going to follow up with that, but I, on top of that, your righteousness those things that it, it, in the New Testament totally flips around those things are literally their filthy mm. rags in my view. Your acts of of religion are nothing to me. All I care about is if someone is thirsty, are you giving them a drink of water? If someone is hungry, are you feeding them? If someone is poor, are you going to meet their needs? Are you visiting them in prison? And are you doing those things because of what I've done for you? I'm coming down literally, instead of just teaching with a scroll and a paper and, and, and pencil yeah. the things, I'm going to come show you how to live, which yeah. I'm going to set I, God in the flesh and I'm going to become the ultimate servant and sacrifice. So now you do the same to others. Yeah. And I think sometimes we fall on that trap of, okay, yeah, I get that. But really, how many hours a week do I need to read to where I'm okay? Because <laughs> we need a checklist. Yeah, sure. And so all that to be said, I say mm-hmm. all that because I don't think we need a checklist. I, I pour over scripture because it's something I'm passionate about and I just constantly want to know more. I question more, but not to check that off my list and, know, okay, and now I'm spiritual today because I read for an hour. Mm-hmm. Like that should give me the tools so that I can be empathetic enough and know how to love my neighbor better or mm-hmm. someone better on the other end of the world. Mm-hmm. And so everything we do at Wanda Water, uh, as as we are growing now, yeah. in the beginning it may have just been simple. Let's get a well to this area or a village to this area. We now look at things through a much different, deeper lens. Like how are we really loving and serving these people? Yeah. Whether they're like us in their faith or whether they're not like us, yeah. it makes no difference. And I've noticed, and for those uh, listening that
0: might not know this, that I play a role with Wanda Water doing spiritual development, mostly staff care. Uh, spiritual development for staff, what I'm noticing is this both and of what the phrase wine to water means, and maybe even the original water to wine. So it's interesting that Jesus came for the poor and the oppressed, and yet his first miracle was changing water into wine. In some ways, kind of a fun proof text for people related to alcohol or whatever, but I think deeper than that, what I see is water is... Is this representative as we 've already talked about, is this basic necessity of life, but life is more than just water and so Jesus transformed that into wine, and wine in many ways represents abundance. The way wine is made uh, is a communal thing, and it represents when you are when you have resources you know right? if, if life 's not just you technically have water, and what we would want for all these people around the world who don 't have access to clean water is not just that they have access to clean water, but that they also live a life of abundance, whether that's literal wine or not, it's not really the point. But right. a life of overflow, of community, of joy, physically and emotionally, spiritually, all those kind of other metaphysical words that people would use. And so uh, tell, tell a story of, that's not a water story. T- tell us a story that maybe you were, whether it's here in Boone, North Carolina, which we'll get to in just a moment about the, the, the bar and that vision, or if it's you know in East Africa or if it's in the Amazon, that, that is not just water, but more in the category of wine where you've seen, you kind of already did with that woman with the well, that's right. actually pretty much already a great story for this. But can you think of another story that's not just about physical,
1: physical needs and technically surviving, but a life of abundance? You know, I, I think like maybe a, a half dozen or more, are like, Popping up in my head right now, so I want to try to narrow it down to one. Yeah, I think the one that I thought of first. So I, I usually you just kind of go with your first gut, sure. whatever. The one I, right when you started asking that was um, I'm going to try to not to use specific, so that you know, I don't want anybody to you know, single out an individual. But yeah, we, yeah. we had an like we have an opportunity for people to come and volunteer and serve with us. Take a couple weeks and come and see what it's like to dig a well alongside of our team or build a water filter, or what it really is like in the field. Because in, in a way, it's not just transforming to the people. Uh, my whole life has been changed doing this work right. because I've gotten to be a part of this service work. So we want to yes. offer that to other people too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, We had an opportunity for, um, uh, you know, hundreds of people. We have opportunity to go in different countries and work with us. There was a particular trip where a particular individual had not too long been out of the military. Um, and we didn't know this until afterwards, um, uh, until after the trip when he uh, had sent a very uh, amazing uh, letter to our uh, to our staff and organization just saying how much that trip meant to him but you know, went on one of our programs and literally at this point in his life it was um, like unfortunately a lot of people out of the military are dealing with uh, you know their place and where where they belong in society now and where they don't and a lot, honestly he got to a point where he he was struggling with depression struggling with issues of what place does he have in this world and honestly it was so, so bad where he said he was, he was contemplating maybe not even um, being alive anymore sure. and that was that heavy yeah, yeah. Uh, of, a, of a battle uh, for him and came through uh, one of our volunteer programs um, and, and just the opportunity to get back in the field but on a different capacity in another right. country and serve and love and, and see the life change, not just of abundance. So you're talking about what happens. We don't, it's not abundance that all of a sudden like money started falling from the sky in these villages, but just yeah. having something like water that we take for granted, and now they're able to not have to always look mm-hmm. for ways to pay for medication, yeah. which they, a lot of times they can't, to, right. to cure the diarrhea disease in their you kids. You can start dreaming. Exactly. And so it was such a powerful thing. This, this individual has gone on has been an amazing advocate and volunteer for our organization. It totally shifted a lot of the direction of this person's life and has helped us develop a lot of programs, even specifically towards veterans, so that they can yeah. have something healthy and as they're in limbo a little bit from going from, uh, coming from military uh, service to the real world as far as do, am I going to sit in a desk job the rest of my life, what's out yeah. there. Right. And just to see the life change and to read that letter that like literally was maybe at the lowest point in his life and just to be a part of loving and serving somebody uh, totally shifted uh, his his mindset and I guess heart set as well. Yeah. Um, and on a very deep spiritual level for the individual as well. And so to me, that that's really why I love what I do. Yeah. And on a much deeper level. Yes, I love being able to get people a well or water, but there's so much more to life. I may not wake up tomorrow. That's right. very. I could. There's so many things that could happen after this yeah. meeting, and and 12 hours from now, you yeah. know, sometime tonight or tomorrow, that I may not make it. What's What's next? And I I I love thinking about that and questioning that and not trying to let that terrify me. And I think this these things are investments for that. What's next? Mm.
0: What I love about that story and why you that you chose that story with that guy. What I love about what I the way I interpret is that how God is moving amidst you and this wine and water is that there's starting to become a dissolving of barriers between people and the concept of us and them is fading away mm. because we normally think well we're the ones with wine they are the ones that need water. Hmm. And I'm like, tell me a story about this wine. And then it's like, it's a guy from here, not over to quote <laughs> there. And it's like, instead of we are the haves and the other people are the have nots, we are all those that are haves and have nots. There are times that I need physical water, but there are times that I need, I guess you could say a spiritual version of water. And there are times I need physical wine and times I need spiritual wine. and that. I'm not different than someone on the other side of the ocean, and that so when but but it is good to serve obviously and provide for those in need. But realizing I'm also someone in need, so the mission is not just we'll go, we'll get on a plane here, we'll fly over there, and we'll give them, quote them something. There's the yes and both and learning from one another, growing and learning about what community looks like. But something that's happening here among us you know trying to get rid of those words but just to simplify it here among us is this restaurant bar acquisition and trying to build community here where we live in Boone and what does it look like among a a pub culture to have true community to experience water together, to experience wine together in the physical and in the spiritual, emotional and all those things. So let's talk for a minute about why people are hearing some of the noises in the background. Some of the noises are just like the employees are doing their jobs at work. But there's also uh, an upcoming renovation. There's already been plenty of renovation and now you know dreaming about more. But why, why bother with this other endeavor? Well, instead of just we're gonna go provide water for people, Why is Wine to Water now somehow involved in dreaming about what a community pub can be like and how that can advance
1: God's kingdom? I I, I think that's, again, that's another question that I could probably spend hours trying to answer. Yeah, we have spent hours already. But let let me try to lead into that with just following up with with how you led into it perfectly, which is not only do I not view, especially since I've got into this work, as, oh, well, we're the haves and that's the have-nots. Yeah. I would, and and I actually, I would maybe take it a step further. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'd have to really sit and question it. But I may even take it a step further and say, if that's the case, I would probably flip it the other way around. We're the have-nots. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Talk, actually, talk more
1: about that. And, you and, shared I, some and pretty I think that leads into me. why I'm excited about the opportunity maybe to, to do a little bit of a different spin on a pub uh, yeah. mentality here in the, in the U.S. But when you know, when I first got into this work, the biggest shock to me um really began to happen when i i was living in a 95 percent islamic uh uh, country in a a portion of the country that um you know i I, as i was getting ready to move there i was terrified because of all the media and what it was saying how these people hate us and my family was trying to say they're just going to want to kill you when you're there and all these things and i got there and it could not have been further from the truth, and I was welcomed with such open arms and loved and served literally to where I had some of my guys who may believe something very different than me that were literally willing to risk and lay their life down for me if, as a as a friend as we became yeah. friends and And so I began to see some of these environments and cultures, like for example, one of my one of my staff people invited me to a dinner. Uh, I didn't get to come home for Christmas over this season. And so invited me to his house during kind of the Christmas holiday. And during that time, and just had this whole spread of food that he could afford on a dirt floor in his little mud hut and, and just saved up what he could to share a meal with me. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting there in this place and I'm trying to pull out, I'm not looking at, you know, uh, this individual actually was a a Christian from the South. So he knew um, that Christmas was really important to me and, uh, and, and, brought this whole meal out um, and then invited people from around that were both Christian Muslim to share together. We all shared together in this meal. And I'm looking at what we would consider extreme poverty because there's no chairs. We're sitting on the floor on a little mat eating, you know, bits and pieces of goat and beans and this and that. And he was so happy that he was able to help provide for all of our crew, regardless of different beliefs and backgrounds. And I realized that night, like, this is such a contrast of any, holiday meal that I'd ever had in yeah. my 23, 4 whatever years of life where we got everything and we've got all the yeah. the bells and the whistles and the lights and the trees. And yet and people talk about how much they dread it because they don't want to be around exactly. families or whatever. And right? I'm like, this was one of the most amazing representations of community and, and wealth. Not wealth with money but wealth with something much deeper and it just blew me away and yeah. changed my life. And so as I'm looking at these, now I've, we've worked in over 25 different countries around the world. Many of them very poverty-stricken. Every time I go there, these people give me something that I can never get here in our in our culture. Something something on a very deep level. I, I'm yeah. always the on the receiving end of some amazing blessing every time I get to serve in one of these communities. And I think it really helped paint a picture for me. At the same time I'm struggling and pouring through scriptures and reading things. No wonder on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus starts with, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed mm-hmm. are the weak and the meek. And he starts with the people who we would consider as the haves as struggling, hurting. Not only are they poor, they're poor in spirit. They don't even got they don't even have it figured out. He starts off with, these people are blessed. Yeah. And then turns it around, and and yeah. he made this contrast. It's it's the extreme religious people that, the, and the, arguably the harshest terms ever to be used mm-hmm. in Scripture, like sons of Satan and strong right. stuff. Like, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. If I were to call somebody a son of... Yeah. of satan himself that's a pretty massive thing
0: yeah.
1: He reserved those things for the uber religious elite that had their act together and that yeah. dotted all their their eyes and crossed other t's and it just being able to experience the world and 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 just try not so much to to check off a list while i read today i did this today but just try to live what he is asking us to live it helps to see why he would do that. Why would he start with the poor to say, you guys are blessed. You guys, the kingdom of heaven belongs to you. Yeah. So what we try to do is to expose people to that, to make them realize that as well. Actually, I think we are the ones that are are in the midst of poverty and that are the have nots here in the West. Mm. We are the ones that need to wake up. We're the ones sleeping, not them. So what, do, what does that mean for a, a pub in downtown Boone? So, that's a great question, and I don't really have all the answers yet, but I can tell you one of the things that helped me wake up um, was being in a pub. Yeah. Most of my church days growing up, the idea of community was something that you just kind of had to do because you had to check it off your list. I didn't really super look forward to uh, a wednesday night or a youth group gathering or unless they went like snow skiing and we took a van to snow skiing then i really looked forward to it or unless sure. i really liked a girl in the youth yeah. group class then i would look of forward course. to it right. but just the concept of oh, i have to go to this place and this yeah. building with this steeple and i have to you know it, it was more of a i have to and as i really got into the service industry for a job i started sure. just waiting tables and then being a bartender and at this time in my life i just come out of bible school and i was just kind of pouring and trying to just question things and not again, not in a doubtful way, just where it all fits. I just fell in love with the service industry and, and it was such a pure representation of community and maybe pull out the spiritual side for a second. But like, if I, I didn't have to be anybody, I, that I wasn't I didn't have to become something that I wasn't just to blend in like if I was having a a hard day and my life was falling apart I could be myself in this community Mm -hmm. and not be judged for it I could sit there whether I'm on the end of the bar where I'm having a beer or whether I'm on the beer uh, on the other side of the bar serving people yeah and I could struggle with things and question and, and, and have conversations, and not once would somebody point a finger at me and look down on me, well, why would you have those thoughts? Or yeah. why are you dealing with that? And I could just be myself. Yeah. So I started thinking, especially out of, to be honest, it was out of that environment that wine to water was born. Sure. And, and, it, and just to preface that, it wasn't from me. I believe yeah. wholeheartedly that God put that in my heart and allowed me to wake up that night in the middle of the night and have that yeah. idea. So I didn't have that idea. God gave that gift to me and this, or now this entire team and this organization, and he gave it out of that type of community. And I think it's because there, this is, it's so much more in line with, I think, the original concept of what the church was meant to be, especially if we can now add in that search for spiritual belonging in spiritual community and spiritual water amidst what already naturally right. began to happen in a pub culture people yeah. getting together celebrating life together hurting together if they lost a job or a loved yeah. one they come and, and mourn together they celebrate together they just spend time together and that's something that happens super healthy. Not because they check it off the list. Well, I have to go to the pub today. Right. They look forward <laughs> to being with it. Right. And there's plenty of people right now upstairs that literally it's not about just the alcohol. There's plenty of people upstairs right now. I can think of one awesome guy yeah. who years ago, for medical reasons, stopped drinking. And he still comes in every single day and sits yeah, it's in his not store about alcohol. and has a that's cup of not coffee. not even the point at and all. Right. Exactly. It's not about yeah. that. So I've really felt like God was calling us uh, as a team and as a community. Now, the need for water around the world may look like they need a well, or they need a water filter, but the need for water in our country is much deeper spiritual drought that we're in. And I, honestly, after looking at all the different options out there, I don't think there's any yeah. better place to tap into that, that access of spiritual, or the need for the access of spiritual yep. water than right at the local pub.
0: Yeah, there's a, there's a guy who works here. Um, same thing, I won't share who it is, just to protect him and everything, um, just so I can tell this story more freely but we'll play darts together. And uh, he shared a bunch of his story with me. There's a lot of brokenness in his past and he's kind of dumped all that stuff out. And you know, since me being a pastor, I think he probably views me in a certain way, um, but He's so loving. He's such a servant. He's so giving. He's so full of joy, and I'm constantly learning from him. But because you know we're in the South and church culture, from time to time, he'll be like, "One of these days, man, I'm gonna make it to your church. One of these days, you'll see me on a Sunday morning." And well, first of all, that's not why I'm hanging out with him. But I've I've also just I've said to him, "Man, you are. We're already doing it right now. You know, doing church. Yeah, like I'm." We're together. We're friends. We're learning from one another. We're bearing one another's burdens. We're being Absolutely. vulnerable with each other. If you want to come on a Sunday morning to be a part of a large group of people studying and singing, that is actually a healthy thing. Sure. Well, as long as it's a healthy thing, right? You know, <laughs> uh, it's a healthy thing as long as it's a healthy thing. If you want to, great. But I'm not inviting him. That's not why I'm in there playing darts with him. It's you know we're friends, and that's it. And I've learned so much from him uh, uh, this past summer. When I went on my first ever sabbatical, I asked you to to teach on one of the Sundays, and you said to me that it made you really nervous when you preach or teach or whatever you wanna use there. But you've gone around and taught in front of groups all over the country, all over the world about water projects, and you don't seem to get nervous if they say, hey, can you do a presentation about water filters and tell some of your story? You just be yourself. Why do you feel a heaviness when, when it's like on a, on a, I don't know,
1: it's a pulpit or so to speak, if it's preaching? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, and it's not just nervous, I'm terrified. I'm yeah. completely terrified. Um, I think there's such a weight to the things pertaining to spiritual water that I don't feel adequate to shoulder that burden. And I know it's not on me. You know, I know that that burden is is shared. Uh, I I get that. Um, But I I, I think I was so put off in my younger years of life by uh, um, um, viewing, I almost saw people take their faith and not just be proud of their faith, but almost it was something different. They would wear it as this badge of honor, and anyone that didn't have a faith like them or a Christian stamp and a fish on their car and a cross around their neck, and i go to this. It was almost like, if you didn't have that, I looked down on you. So it became more than just, I'm proud of my faith and what I believe, to like, I can now hang this over people who aren't like me. And I would get to a point, even in the years of wine to water beginning to grow, people coming in and using the name of their faith or the name of their God to come and say, God called me to come and talk to you and you're supposed to give me a job and this. and So I've seen over the years, people use God and and the creator of the universe and their faith in this God and the savior of our souls and use him for personal gain in a lot of ways or not just personal gain to look down on people. And I'm terrified a, that I would ever do the same thing and not maybe not be in, in, intending to do the same thing, but B, like there's a sense of reverence as I'm reading through scriptures that I, I look through that I think sometimes we forget in this day and age because we view God now, especially in, in modern church, we want to view Him as a father that we can come to any time, and yes, He is that. We want to view Him as this just best friend we can just pour all our thoughts out and, and dreams out at any time, and yes, He is that, but there's also a sense of reverence that I think we that we sometimes forget and our God is a consuming fire that I Mm. have no business speaking on behalf of. Right. And so, not that I won't if I feel like that's something He's calling me to do because I I do believe that God, if He gave me a gift to get on stage and to talk, I don't want to squander it. I don't want to bury it in the back and say, here's it back when I die. Here's your gift back. Sorry, I was too afraid to use it. But the weight of that Message that content is—it's infinitely more than me just explaining. This is how we go about putting a well in a village. And I know yeah. they're tied together. I totally get that. But to really talk about the things that I'm pouring over and questioning and learning, or a certain yeah. aspect of scripture, yeah, it's terrifying to me. You know.
0: Yeah, me too. And I—I've just been given this, I think, just natural gift my whole life of not being nervous speaking just saying words in front of a large group which i do acknowledge is a gift from god because statistically it's that's like number one's the number one fear <laughs> but there's a heaviness to it there's a significance or a weight holiness those words all kind of mean similar things and um yeah it, it does matter and it's i think with, with that that phrase to worship god in spirit and in truth oftentimes if someone's going to stand up and speak on behalf of quote unquote truth they might kind of forget the spirit part Um, and that is like yeah you can have true information but there's something about the spirit in which you deliver it and I know that's not really the original context of that passage necessarily but there's the spirit in which you give it and so when you said the thing about how you're terrified and it's holy and you want to approach it with reverence I was like that's why I asked you to do it because we We know that's the case. that doesn't mean that just say whatever you want. Of course, it's got to be true and right, right and biblically accurate and all that stuff. But if you didn't come, if we didn't come with that reverence, then no one cares if it has mm. if it's carrying truth. As a matter of fact, there's that passage in Corinthians like you can speak with the tongues of angels and all this truth, 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 but if it's not with love, it's like the clashing symbols. And you have nothing yeah, and you've got nothing. It all comes crumbling apart. Um, so let me let me try to try to get closer to us finishing okay, by cool. asking this. So the, the premise of this podcast, each concept, take this concept and try to simplify it without sacrificing depth. So mm. let's let me ask you. Someone's listening. They've heard about water, physically and spiritually, and wine, and these uh, the water crisis, and their and their faith, and all these things. But what what's one or two things someone can do? After listening to this podcast, how can we simplify the concept of water for the people listening without sacrificing depth? Give us something to do. Because that's what we, a lot of times, like. That's cool that you said that information, but I want to do something. Not religious obligation, right. not checking it off the list, but give us, a, give us an inspira- inspiring idea. What can we do?
1: And is it more directly related to water in general? Is I don't mean? care. Okay, cool. Well, I, I think that's important. I think uh, there's a, a lot of things we can do, whether it's directly related to water. I yeah. mean, literally, if you, people could come and join us on a trip and get their hands yeah. dirty, dig a well, build a water filter. For a lot of people, that's not going to happen or it's not in the cards, and that's okay, too. There's a lot of things directly related to water we can do here. I mean, you look at the droughts that are happening, and that, that we think will never happen, but then you, it happens in California, or even really amazing Westernized uh, cities like Cape Town, South Africa. They're ha- they got like day zero coming up where they're going to completely run out of water. A lot of that's just because people squandering it, thinking we're never going to have a problem, right. and so they let their just taps just run while they're brushing their teeth and doing stuff. They mm-hmm. just, I mean, they just they don't think they'll just you know. And so I do think. Uh, really being uh, um You know, cognizant and and, and knowing and thinking about water that it is valuable on that level but even to take it a step further beyond water uh, because I think that it it may be something that calls out to people that that the simplicity of water that that speaks to some people but there's some people that are gifted in numerous ways that it would be wrong for them to use their gifts to just try to go and try to tell people to turn their water off or just to go and it may be like my wife she loves to do wine-to water trips but her gift is working with young people or even people with special needs She's yeah. amazing. We're working with um, special needs folks, so she volunteers with, with Special Olympics. And so, I would say to take it a step further: all this stuff we're talking about, this this book uh, that that you pour over, and that I really enjoy pouring over as well, and reading about um, men and women throughout history struggling to know what it means to serve an all powerful mm-hmm. Creator that. That they, they take those things and they, they write those things down as best as they can. And remember that the words that you and I are saying right now, the words that they wrote, the words that, are, that we pour over and try to figure out what does this mean and what does that mean, they're all representations of something that are much greater. And our words will never even come close to painting the true picture. And I'll use an example. So if somebody were to come up to me 15, 20 years ago and say, you're going to be a father one day and they wrote down the word father, and you're gonna love love your child one day in a way that you can't imagine. That person could try to paint that picture for me all they want, and it would not scratch the surface of what it means to sit in a rocking chair at night and rock my daughter to sleep. Not even come close. So we can talk about this all we want, and I think the whole point is, does it at least prod you enough to do something, and so that was the premise of your question, what yeah. can we do? Do something. I'm yeah. not asking you to pour over the depths of the universe and, and try to question the, the deep questions of where do we come from, and where are we going, and what happens after we die. Just that, that, That's not the point. The point is just to get excited just enough to take a step and then put mm-hmm. in that faith, whether it, no matter how small it is, yeah. into action. Yeah. If you feel like you have a gift to love and serve on somebody like a homeless person or somebody with special needs or the ability to really work with children or, or just to, you know, whatever that is to take that first step of loving and serving the least of these throughout, whether it's your community, your own backyard, the people that are forgotten. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's somebody that's just looks different, is believes different than a lot of people in that neighborhood. And so they're, they're demonized or ostracized because they're muslim or they're of a different faith background or no faith background or they have different sexual orientation and so in this community they're looked at differently whatever it is go do something Mm -hmm. to love on someone that maybe hasn't um, been reached out to in that way and i believe that then paints a picture that no words could that you and i could ever say changes us so much absolutely
0: yeah it's like from water to wine and everything in between and back again, the reverse direction <laughs> and, right. and all that. Well, thanks man for your time. I I, I want to continue more of this stuff. There's all sorts of topics I have in my journal for, to do more podcasts with you that are not just water uh, based, but I wanted to start with this one. But um, so thanks so much for your time, man. Um, if you're listening, if you want to meet Doc, if you see him wandering around Boone, say hi. He wants to say hi back. Um, You'll oftentimes see him kind of hiding in the shadows on the back on a Sunday morning, but uh, oftentimes you can see him in downtown Boone walking around. Well, thanks for listening in on Concept 3 Water. You can go to thingsaboutthings.com for more things.